Hey, what up, fam? It's your boy Norm, and we are back for part two of episode 63 of the Evangelical Norm. Uh, thought about calling it episode 64, but we're just going to call it 63 part two, um, or part two, if it's funny enough, I guess. Um, so we're going to just jump into this. Um, I did read, uh, man, I can't remember his first name, McDermott. Uh, I read his, uh, or most of his, um, article on it. It, it had, didn't have a lot of time. I'm trying, I'm going to find the name because I want to give credit where credit is due correctly. Give credit. So if I can find, because I, I also just ordered his book, um, for Kindle, and it is dun, dun, dun. the problem with slavery in Christian America is the book Joel McDermott. Um, so he also had an article um, out about the um, statement on social justice and the gospel. So read most of it, and he kind of gets into the fact that the reason why he decided not to sign was um, just essentially be a lot of vague um, labels that aren't defined really well and that was an, uh, that was something that yeah I think I think we all think we know what social justice means we all think we know what intersectionality means and and so on but sometimes we just need definitions because not everybody knows um, and I may I mean just just taking um, I don't want to single anybody out so I don't want to draw a name someone that I pretty much agree with my definition of social justice may be different than Ivy Connerly's we may have different I mean we may have very similar but slightly different definitions we may have completely different definitions, or we may agree completely. But the fact of the matter is, is not many of these things were defined really well throughout this whole thing. So again, um, we can read this and you can look at this, and if each one of us has a different idea of what social justice means and what it is, then we're going to have different attitudes about the um, the statement. So that was his uh, one of his bigger criti critiques. He had a lot of other things, but the I, I would say that the main one is just the lack of of clearly defined terms. Um, and I would agree. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump back in um, with the next uh, topic which is salvation so um, and I'm gonna move this thing down a little bit and stretch it out to where we can see just a little bit better um, yeah that wasn't a whole lot of movement but okay <laughs> enough for me at least I can read it better so uh, salvation we affirm that salvation is granted by God's grace alone, received through faith, faith alone, 
in Jesus Christ alone. Every believer is united to Christ, justified before God, and adopted into his family. Thus, in God's eyes, there is no difference in spiritual value or worth among those who are in Christ. Further, all who are united to Christ are also united to one another, regardless of age, ethnicity, or sex. All believers are being conformed to the image of Christ by God's regenerating and sanctifying grace. All believers will be brought into a final glorified sinless state of perfection in the day of Jesus Christ. We deny that salvation can be received in any other way. We also deny that salvation renders any Christian free from all remaining sin or immune from even grievous sin in this life. We further deny that ethnicity excludes anyone from understanding the gospel, nor does anyone's ethnic or cultural heritage mitigate or remove the duty to repent and believe. Um, again, I, I, there's not anything in here that I can... Um, disagree with. This is all, you know, very well defined of what salvation is. Um, adopted into his family, not of our own works. Nothing that we can do can, uh, can save us any more than we're already saved. And, um, and so I guess what I would say about this is in the denial portion of it, uh, they understand where he says we further deny that ethnicity excludes anyone from understanding the gospel, nor does anyone's ethnic or cultural heritage mitigate or remove the duty to repent and believe. Um, it's almost as if there is an insinuation that someone on one or the other side of this equation thinks that because of their excuse me because of their ethnic background that we would that me or they or whoever is on whatever side i'm hoping that i'm i'm firmly planted in in the middle of this um not on one side or the other but on god's side of this um but it, it almost insinuates that someone believes that because of where they are or things that have happened to them um, or things that they've done that are in their race or ethnicity or heritage or culture um, that they don't need to. And I don't know that anyone has ever made that statement. Um, I think the closest that it gets to that is where in um, some on the side of white evangelicalism needs to repent for the things that the church has done in the past um, when I think that the almost the refusal to repent and understandably so because I've, I've, I've made the statement myself um, because I'm white or because I'm white evangelical doesn't mean I have to repent for the things that um, reformers did in the past, especially those who participated. And again, the, the foundation of the conversation that is going on, the big conversation that's happening. Um, I don't need to repent because Jonathan Edwards owns slaves. 
I don't need to repent because some other white pastor in the South endorsed Jim Crow. Um, I, I, I'm not responsible for those sins. Um, it wasn't, and again, I mean, we see precedent where one man will repent for a nation. Um, Moses, as the leader of that nation, repented on behalf of the nation. Um, but me as, as just somebody out here, I'm, I don't need to repent for um, the sins of my uh, ancestors, my forefathers, my forerunners. I mean, I don't think any of those people were my ancestors or my forefathers. Um, again, I live, I come from a genealogy family. And, you know, I, I mean, we might have people who have, have traced it and done the genealogy. And I don't know, honestly, I don't care about it. So um, I don't know where it is, but I've never heard of slave owners or, um, you know, any of that stuff in my immediate uh, history. Well, I guess I have um, somewhere along the line back there were related to John Wilkes Booth. I don't need to repent for his murder of Abraham Lincoln. So, um, but again, the only, it seems to me that the only people, and again, repent and believe in order for salvation. This is not one of those situations. And I don't think that when Tabidi says that, you know, our grandparents or whatever were complicit, I, I forget the exact quote and I'm butchering it and so on. I don't, and saying that they're complicit in the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King or complicit in, uh, you know, race issues and so on. I don't believe, I don't think he means that we need to repent in order to receive salvation. Maybe he does. Maybe he thinks those of us who refuse to repent on behalf of our ancestors are not saved. But I've never heard him say that, so I can't assume that. Um, so I don't know that, but there... And no one, no one is asking for reparations. Nobody is. I, I don't. See, I don't hear that in the conversation. I think what I hear from them, from you know, and and the people that I see and I read, um, Tabidi, um, Jovan McKenzie, um, Jackie Hill Perry, people that I you know, and I, I don't interact. Uh, Eric Mason, is it Mason or Mace? Eric Mason. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other guys that have kind of been on, and I, I don't even I don't even want to make Tabidi like the the head of this movement on this side, but it seems like he's his voice has been the one heard the most, and maybe that's just because Twitter lets me see it the most. Um, maybe it's because I've interacted with him more on. Twitter that I see his more than anybody else's. Um, I see a lot of Jackie Hill Perry's uh, comments because I've interacted with her a lot and I interact quite a bit with, with Jovan. So I see his. So, um, you know, and I don't, I don't hear any of them saying that, uh, you know, we're not saved if we don't repent of the things of the past or, uh, 
what I hear them saying, and and you know, I hope one of them or some of them will watch this and and can even correct me if I'm wrong. Is just the acknowledgement that it's happening. I think that what I see happening in this conversation, and I I I don't want to harp on this too long because we're already twelve minutes in. We still got a lot of this to go through. Um, and I've talked about it before, but um, it, it feels to me like nobody wants to admit that there has been any wrong, wrong or, and even they say it in here that they recognize that racism happens and, and these issues do happen. Um, but it, it feels like when people address that as part of the church, we want to shut it down and we don't want to admit that the church can still have some bad things going on in it. You know, the, the church is not yet glorified. The church is not yet totally sanctified. Um, the church are those of us who are justified. Um, we are saved um, and we are being sanctified and we will be glorified. And all of this will be a, a long forgone past memory. Um, but we're not there yet. So it's it doesn't hurt me to say there are some issues still going on in the church. But it feels like a lot of people, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but it feels like a lot of people, when as soon as the slightest accusation comes, it, it's immediate pushback. And no, you're wrong. This is not happening. This is not happening. We're not even going to be willing to see it. Um so, but that's what I hear is just them saying, see it, see it, acknowledge it, know that it's there and that it's happening. And I try to do that as much as possible. Uh, also, in, in the same vein, I try to be patient and wait for facts and wait for things. I mourn with those who mourn and wait for facts to come out later. Uh, and then still continue to mourn with those who mourn. Um, but then we can, we can call things as they are, if that makes any sense. So let's move on to the next one. The church. We affirm that the primary role of the church is to worship God through the preaching of his word, teaching sound doctrine, observing baptism and the Lord's Supper, refuting those who contradict, equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. We affirm that when the primacy of the gospel is maintained, that this often has a positive effect on the culture in which various societal ills are mollified. We affirm that under the Lordship of Christ, we are to obey the governing authorities established by God and pray for civil leaders. Okay. Um, I would... Here... <laughs> Here I would I would push back a little bit on we are to obey the governing authorities established by God um, and pray for civil leaders. I mean absolutely pray for civil leaders. But again, we are we are more and more getting into a state where there are some laws that are being passed and things that are happening uh, where we need to resist. Uh, governing authorities. We need to say no. Uh, situations that I can think of would be 
um, Marinelle Stutzman, uh, I can't remember the guy's name in Colorado that has been in the news a lot lately with uh, the cake shop, um, Masterpiece Cakes or uh, uh, Jack something, I believe. I don't remember uh, again. Um, and other people, the uh, Sweet Cakes by Melissa, uh, the Kleins, and where government has come to them and said, you have to make this cake or we are going to find you, do whatever. And they have uh, pushed back. I mean, if we just absolutely have to obey um, the ruling author governing authorities, then we should still be British. Um, that whole skirmish back in the 1770s-ish uh, shouldn't have happened. We should have just continued to obey the governing authority, right? So I would say that, um, no, we don't absolutely have to obey governing authorities. And I think that also falls into um, issues with police because we've seen a couple of situations where Things have happened recently in the news where police are absolutely in the wrong. Um, but we see a lot more areas where it's not, that is not the case. So, again, I think it's a discerning issue on that. Everything else I agree with, um, you know, teaching sound doctrine, observing baptism of the Lord's Supper, Refuting those who contradict, equipping the saint, and evangelizing the lost. All that I agree with and I have no problem with. It's that whole, uh, under the lordship of Christ, we are to obey the governing authorities established by God and pray for our civil leaders. I think as much as scripture will allow and, you know, if there's a, a command given by um, earthly authorities that contradicts godly um commands then you know if it ever gets to the point where the governing authorities tell me that i can't go out on the street and evangelize i'm going to jail and that's a promise um day one i mean i don't go out every single day and evangelize i'm i'm trying to get back into the the rhythm of doing that but i i guarantee you um if i hadn't been out doing evangelism if it had been two years without ever going out on the street and sharing the gospel the day the government tells me I cannot is the day I get up and go do it and make it a daily thing until they put me in jail and that's a that's a promise because again I will not you know and I, and I I mean to a point I I do you know, I've been asked not to proselytize at work. Proselytize. I hate that word. Um, so I don't. I've shared the gospel with everybody I believe that I work with. Um, but I don't push it from that point on. Everybody's heard it. We've all had conversations, generally started by them. Um, and now even being more in a managerial position, uh, it's become less and less available. But still, whenever the possibility of not violating rules, um, then I, I continue to do it. Um, but as long as, if it's going to be a, a, a rule is, you know, 
yeah. So I do submit to some authority, but if the government ever told me I couldn't go out and do it, that would be the end of it. Um, we deny that political or social activism should be viewed as integral components of the gospel or primary to the mission of the church. Though believers can and should utilize all lawful means that God has providentially established to have some effect on the laws of society, we deny that these activities are either evidence of saving faith or constitute a central part of the church's mission given to her by Jesus Christ, her head. We deny that laws or regulations possess any inherent power to change sinful hearts. Excuse me again. So again, I do agree with this, but I would throw in some caveats. Um, it's not it's not an integral component of the gospel. Um, but I think there can be, now, and the church as a whole, it's no, it's not the primary mission. The primary mission, as we just talked about, of the church as a whole, is to teach sound doctrine, to baptize, to observe the Lord's Supper, to rebuke those who are wrong, to correct those who need to be corrected. Um, and I even forgot everything that it said, but th those are the the main missions of the church to evangelize, to, to seek and save that which is lost. That was a, the piece that I missed, evangelism, go figure. Um, so those are the integral parts of what the mission of the church is, and those are that's integral to the gospel. Um, but there are some, and we, we go, I don't know if we will call them sub-churches of the greater universal church. There are some churches who their call, their thing, is going to be um, social activism of some kind. Where, whether it is, um, again, I, I would say that you know, where James says that, that pure religion is, is taking care of orphans and widows, I think that would be considered social justice. That is something that, and again, the church should do it. We should be taking that role back from the government. We should be relieving the government of the need for a welfare program program because the churches, the churches should be doing that. So, but I think there are some churches that their their focus is going to be whether they're in an inner city and they want to reach out to kids that are um, from broken homes or you know which could be in a sense considered orphans, fatherless, um, who want to reach out to gang members, you know, uh, whatever it is, there is going to be some social activism included in people's life. I would even say that to a point going out where I go out and to the temple in Salt Lake City and preach to Mormons could be considered social activism of a kind. So I would say that um, although it is not a integral part, I think some people are going to have giftings and that is going to be something that the gospel leads them to. Um, so yeah. Um, we deny that laws or regulations possess any inherent power to change sinful hearts. No. Again, only the gospel, only regeneration, only the uh, the Holy Spirit can um, change hearts. Um, but in our hearts being changed, 
it is going to cause some of us to want to reach out and change the laws that, that are a part of our society. Um, some for the good, and I, I think even some can be persuaded towards the, the bad. Uh, I don't know how, but I would say it is possible for someone to know Christ, to have repented and put their trust in him, and believe that socialism is a, a positive thing. I think that growing in holiness and so on and looking at the fact that socialism would indeed be theft, that would change in them. But immediately, if, if I were to go out and preach the gospel to Bernie Sanders and he were saved and accepted um, and heard the gospel and responded in repentance and faith, I, I think initially he may still um, hold towards socialism, which would be a bad thing for our nation. But I think as one grows in holiness, is truly saved, and, and that those people grow in holiness, those things are going to be changed. In the same way that a racist, who uh, a Nazi skinhead who gets saved, may initially still harbor um, animosities or um, towards people of color. But as that person grows in holiness, the Holy Spirit is going to change that. So those would be the things that I would maybe push back a little bit on that. Um, we are moving up into heresy one, two, three. We got a lot left, so we need to we need to burn through this. Heresy. We affirm that heresy is a denial or departure from the doctrine that is essential to the Christian faith. We further affirm that heresy often involves a replacement of key essential truths with variant concepts or the elevation of non-essentials to the status of essentials. To embrace heresy is to depart from the faith, faith once delivered to the saints and thus be on a path toward spiritual destruction. We affirm that the accusation of heresy should be reserved for those departures from Christian truth that destroy the weight-bearing doctrines of the redemptive core of Scripture. We affirm that accusations of heresy should be accompanied with clear evidence of such destructive beliefs. We deny that the charge of heresy can be legitimately brought against every failure to achieve perfect conformity to all that is implied in sincere faith in the gospel. So, um, I think I agree with most of that. I don't think, um, I think there are some people who will take some non-essentials and make them essential. Um, I think that makes them incorrect. Again, I think that the Holy Spirit will, as they grow in sanctification and grow closer to God and become more um, alert, or not alert, um, aware and enlightened by the Spirit to what Scripture says, I think those things will change. But I, I think of like one, um, you know, my pastor and I disagree on age of the earth. Uh, He's a he's an old earth, historical old earth, I think would be the position that he is. And I'm a young earther. Um, I am a 6,000 to 10,000 year old earth guy. Um, he is older than that. Um, ironically, he's younger than me. That's kind of, yeah. Um, so we, we disagree and we understand that it is not essential. I think 
that age of the earth can sneak some some tentacles into essential portions of the gospel um but i'm willing to step back and go this is not essential but i do know that there are some people out there who think that um if you are an old earther you are heretical and you are um not saved and so they have raised that non-essential into the place of essential. I regret that they would think that my pastor is heretical um, because he's not, but I neither would I say that them elevating that non-essential into the place of an essential makes them heretical, if that makes sense. Um, I think, again, this is only here because uh somebody has accused somebody who helped to write this of being heretical and so this is their way of putting in their defense immediately and i think they are justified in that but so sexuality and marriage um this goes back to the nashville statement from last year um which was a year ago today that i signed it so um Interestingly enough, we've got it coming up here again. So, we affirm that God created mankind male and female, and that this divinely determined distinction is good, proper, and to be celebrated. Uh, maleness and femaleness are biologically determined at conception and are not subject to change. The curse of sin results in sinful, disordered affections that manifest in some people as same-sex attraction, salvation grants, sanctifying power, to renounce such dishonorable affections as sinful and to mortify them by the Spirit. We further affirm that God's design for marriage is that one man, one woman live in a one flesh covenantal sexual relationship until separated by death. Those who lack the desire or opportunity for marriage are called to serve God in singleness and chastity. This is a noble, as noble a calling as marriage. Nothing in there that I disagree with, and I will actually discuss that a little bit more once I finish reading um, Jackie Hill Perry's book and do the review on it. Um, go out and buy it and read it. It is going to be, there we go. It's good. It, it, so far, I'm about halfway through, and it's phenomenal. Um, great book. So. I'll discuss a little more of this when I do the review on this and then do a contrast and compare between her and Vicki Beeching's book. So we deny that human sexuality is a socially constructed concept. We also deny that one's sex can be fluid. We reject gay Christian as a legitimate biblical category. We further deny that any kind of partnership or union can properly be called marriage other than one man and one woman in lifelong covenant in a lifelong covenant together. We further deny that people should be identified as sexual minorities, which serves as a cultural classification rather than one that honors the image bearer character of human sexual image bearing character of human sexuality as created by God. No disagreements, no pushback on me from there. Complementarianism. I'm on board with this as well. Uh, we affirm that God created mankind, both male and female, with inherent biological and personal distinctions between them, and that these created differences are good, proper, and beautiful. 
There is no difference between men and women before God's law as, as recipients of his saving grace. We affirm that God has denied, designed men and women with distinct traits to fulfill distinct roles. These differences are most clearly defined in marriage and the church, but are not irrelevant in other spheres of life. In marriage, the husband is to lead, love, and safeguard his wife, and the wife is to respect and be submissive to her husband in all things lawful. In the church, qualified men alone are to lead as pastors, elders, bishops, bishop, bishops and preach and to teach the, the whole congregation. We further affirm that the image of God is expressed most fully and beautifully in human society when men and women walk in obedience to their God-ordained roles and to serve according to their God-given gifts. I think the only thing in here that needs to be uh, really addressed is the definition of submissive because people that word has been uh, distorted and destroyed. Um, and even obedient carries a... Uh, a negative connotation, um, but some, a wife some respecting and being submissive to her husband in all things is just her allowing him to lead, allowing him to take the role of leader in the home, supporting that role. Again, uh, uh, true complementarians do not lord, and this is where it says to sub be submissive in all things lawful. Um, she doesn't have to submit to a man when he beats her. She doesn't have to submit to a man who uh, insists that she break a law. Those are things where a woman does not have to submit to her husband. Um, if he is, is insisting that she sin, she can resist. She doesn't need to submit to a man who is requiring her to sin. So again, a true complementarian uh, relationship based on husband and wife, uh, marriage based on the gospel of Christ, doesn't see those things, um, doesn't see a man lording his power over his wife or even his children, but um, taking on the responsibility of being responsible and uh Uh, taking on to himself the the role of leader in the home and leading his home and leading well. Um, so that would be the only thing that I would uh, point out uh, in that. Um, we deny that the God-ordained differences between differences in men's and women's roles disparage the inherent spiritual worth or value of one over the other nor do those differences in any way inhibit either men or women from flourishing for the glory of God. So again, um, equality in the gospel, um, having different roles in the home and in the church um, does not make um, anyone superior um, to another in the gospel. We are equal, but different. We have different roles. Um, but we are still of equal value and equal worth in the eyes of God um, as image bearers of God and adopted children into the family of God. Next, race, race ethnicity. Here we go. Um, 35 minutes in and now we hit the, the, the linchpin. Um, 
We affirm that God made all people from one man. Though people can often be distinguished by different ethnicities and nationalities, they are ontological equals before God in both creation and redemption. Race is not a biblical category, but rather a social construct that, has, that often has been used to classify groups of people in terms of inferiority and superiority. All that is good, honest, just, and beautiful in various ethnic backgrounds and experiences can be celebrated as a fruit of God's grace. All sinful actions and their results, including evils perpetrated between and upon ethnic groups by others, are to be confessed as sinful, repented of, and repudiated. So I think they cover everything here. I think I don't think there's anything missing out on this. Um, and the fact that, that there are um, those that still want to separate um, divide over these things as Christians we should not be um, I know that it's it's hard especially in this society and the things that are going on right now to not you know again we see people identifying as gay Christian which is not a valid thing but then we see people identifying as black Christian as white evangelicals and so on um, and those should not be either um, not saying we need to be colorblind, not saying we need to ignore the the wonderful things that come out of every culture, um, but as Christians, our first and foremost identity should be just that, nothing more than Christian. We deny that Christians should segregate themselves into racial groups or regard racial identity above or even equal to their identity in Christ. I just could have just waited and read that. Um, we deny that any divisions between people groups from an unstated attitude of superiority to an overt spirit of resentment um, have, an, have a legitimate place in the fellowship of the redeemed. We reject any teaching that encourages racial groups to view themselves as privileged oppressors or entitled victims of oppression. While we are to weep with those who weep, we deny that a person's feelings of offense or oppression necessarily prove that someone else is guilty of sinful behaviors, oppression, or prejudice. Um, part of that just hits my ear wrong, and I have to ponder on it a little bit more. But the from an unstated attitude of superiority to an overt spirit of resentment. Um, that sits funny with me, and I don't know why. So... I'm going to hold on to that. I Maybe I'll address it in a, a future episode and just kind of let you guys know where I go with that. But again, any one of these things that sits funny with me it will prevent me from signing it. Um, so I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to dig into that one a little bit. We're coming up to the end. Uh, hallelujah. Culture. What do we got? Culture, racism. There we go. So we're down to two. We affirm that, so, uh, yeah, I'm that guy that goes to the end of the book and reads the last page. Thanks. Um, we affirm that some cultures operate on assumption that we are inherently better than those of other cultures because of the biblical truths that inform those worldviews that have produced these distinct assumptions. Those elements of a given culture that reflect divine revelation should be celebrated and promoted, but the various cultures out of which we have been called all have features that are worldly and sinful. And therefore, those sinful features should be repudiated for the honor of Christ. 
We affirm that whether evil influences to which we have been subjected via our culture can be and must be overcome through conversion and the training of both mind and heart through biblical truth. So, um, I, I again, I see that this is talking about, I think this addresses what I talked about earlier in the, the process of sanctification. As we um, come, as we are saved and we come out of those identities, those things should change. White supremacists should become lovers of other races and lovers of other cultures and celebrate the things that are. Um, and also, re, you know, embracing things that are good in those cultures on both sides. And every culture has that. Um, as black people get saved and come out of that culture, whatever it is, um, sinful things should be repudiated and the beautiful things should be celebrated. Um, and then every other culture Latin culture, Asian culture, all of those things, as we are saved out of those cultures and become identified with Christ, sinful things repudiated, beautiful things celebrated. We deny that individuals and subgroups in any culture are unable by God's grace to rise above whatever moral defects or spiritual deficiencies have been engendered or encouraged by their respective cultures. So I have a feeling that some people are going to read this and think that it and and assume automatically that it excludes white people because of the word subgroups. Um, I understand that this encompasses every excuse me, every group. I have to I have to understand that that this is addressing every single group. But I feel like there are some people who are going to come in and read it um, and assume that this is just referring to minorities. So I'm going to leave that. Let that sit. If you come in here and you read this and immediately think it's only talking about minorities, I would have to say you're wrong. And finally, racism. We affirm that racism is a sin rooted in pride and malice, which must be condemned and renounced by all who would honor the image of God in all people. Such racial sin can be subtly or overtly manifested, manifest itself as racial animosity or racial vainglory. Such sinful prejudice or partiality falls short of God's revealed will and violates the royal law of love. We affirm that virtually all cultures, including our own, at times contain laws and systems that foster racist attitudes and policies. We deny that treating people with sinful partiality or prejudice is consistent with biblical Christianity. We deny that only those in positions of power are capable of racism, or that individuals of any particular ethnic group are, are incapable of racism. We deny that systemic racism is in any way compatible with the core principles of historic evangelical convictions. We deny that the Bible can be legitimately used to foster or justify partiality, prejudice, or contempt toward other ethnicities. We deny that the contemporary evangelical movement has any deliberate agenda to elevate one ethnic group and subjugate another. And we emphatically deny that lectures on social issues or activism aimed at reshaping the wider culture 
are as vital to the life and health of the church as preaching of the gospel and exposition of scripture. Historically, such things tend to become distractions that inevitably lead to departures from the gospel. So, again, there's nothing in here that I can disagree with. This is, I think, this is all very clear, um, well-stated understanding of what racism is and that it is always simple. And I... <sighs> And I don't think there is in the church where, where they say any agenda in white evangelicalism to um, elevate one ethnicity over another. I don't see it. I, 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 and again, you know, the, the accusations and this is where people are going, well, you just don't see everything. You live in your nice isolated place in, in Ogden, Utah, and don't have to see the issues around where... Um, there's higher populations of people of color. True, I don't live in a, a, a highly populated area where there are people of color. We, um, you know, our, our church is overwhelmingly white. We have a lot of Hispanics. We have um, a few black people um, that come once in a while, um, but not many. And so, yeah, we are overwhelmingly white, but still, I observe enough that I don't see an absolute agenda in white evangelicalism to um, even justify terminology like white evangelicalism. And so, but that's me. And you're, I know there are people who are going to tell me I'm wrong. So I'm okay with that. I'm a big boy. I've been told I was wrong before. Um, as long as you can hear me direct it back that you, I think you're wrong and that we can still be friends in the midst of it. So there it is. Um, finished up, got through it. Only took us 45 and a half minutes, 46 minutes. Um, longest video I've done thus far. I will be pulling the audio off of this and putting it up as an audio, um, file. So if you can't watch 45 minutes on YouTube, um, I'll get it out uh, via MP3 as well. So, guys, thanks for watching. I hope this helped. Um, it definitely helped me. I have come to the conclusion that I'm not going to sign this until I get a little bit more um, comfortable with, and, and, and that may mean talking to, to different people who have signed it and are okay with it and so um but at least now you have kind of my opinion not that my opinion means anything look into other people's opinions to read joel mcdermott's um article um read some other articles about it and uh and then decide for yourself um, whether or not to sign this statement or not um i've decided not to that's my final decision here, and that's where I'm going to lead this. Um, I still love John MacArthur and James White and everybody who has signed this. I don't think because they signed it they are wrong or anything like that. It just hasn't sat right well enough with me for me to be willing to sign it. Um, but I still love all of you uh, who have, and I love all of you who haven't. And um, there we go. It is late at night, as this is a long video, and I'm going to cut it off. So as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. 
And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.